Ann Arbor. Locate us on the web at WCBN.org. 15 seconds remain. Hunwick has it. Forward to Tambellini. Tambellini, he'll shoot. Save there, and the rebound comes to Hunwick. Six seconds remain. Tambellini shoots and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle with 5.3 seconds remaining. Tambellini gives the Wolverines a 6-5 lead. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Dick Whaley and this is the weekly news and media talk show. Jim Dwyer should be joining us uh, shortly. Eh, There's always these construction snafus in Ann Arbor these days in the summer. Anyway, what a long, strange trip it's been. Yes, I went to see the Grateful Dead on Thursday and was fortunate not to have heard anything about Dallas <laughs> until the next day. That would have ruined my uh, my trip on Thursday. But uh, I wanted uh, to start out tonight's show with a brief <clears throat> homage to Chris Peterson, uh, a colleague of ours down here on uh, at this fine station. Uh, Chris Peterson, a longtime member of the WCBN station. And an incredible uh, human being uh, who uh, was a teacher in uh, Ann Arbor uh, passed away suddenly uh, about a week ago. And uh, it's a very tragic event. And it's an incredible loss uh, to both WCBN and to the Ann Arbor community. I just wanted to say that I had run into Chris over the years many times down in Detroit uh, to see uh, some of the African music legends of our time. And he got involved in the station as a student and uh, collaborated very frequently in curating African music with uh, Dan Rosenberg and moved into world music and sort of uh, evolved into... Uh, more of an aficionado of Latin music, but I definitely ran into him at shows like uh, Baba Mal, Oliver Mutakudzi, uh probably Habib Kwate. I don't know if I saw him at Tom, Thomas Motfumo, but this was the kind of music we loved. And Chris had an infectious smile. smile. He was just an a wonderful human being, and he had such a great soul. He had that kind of twinkle in his eye that some humans have and some don't. So it's an incredible loss, and I felt the loss personally yesterday just listening to CBN uh, in the afternoon on Sunday uh, when Chris frequently sat in on both uh, the Latin show and Pan-African Heartbeats, uh, which uh, originally here at CBN was called African Rhythms. The other observation that I would make about Chris is it's interesting how his involvement at WCBN sort of led to his journey in his life, 
how uh, his interest in music down here at the station led to his eventual career. And I think that it's just universally accepted that this was a wonderful human being and that this sudden passing is going to be a tremendous loss to the community of Ann Arbor and to WCBN. <clears throat> so, yeah, I just wanted to make those um, those thoughts known in, in a week that, uh, in terms of the news and what's been going on uh, nationally and internationally, has really been a strange, long trip of surrealism bordering on farce and tragedy. Uh, of course, the shootings uh, in Dallas are just yet another uh, mass shooting in America, although this one obviously has some unique features that are incredibly troubling. Uh, I, for one, am exceedingly troubled by the use of a robot uh, to kill the suspect. I think that's unprecedented in the history of uh, American uh, criminal apprehension. Uh, I understand why it was done, uh, because this was a killer. Uh, this was a person who was trained by the American military to kill human beings. And once again, uh, obviously a troubled individual who fits the profile of so many of the mass shooters that have occurred in the United States. I wanted to give out a brain damage award specifically, and I should have brought the specific organization uh, in connected with the National Association of Police Officers or whatever, who actually claim that Barack Obama has been, quote, waging a war on cops. Uh, this is a bald-faced lie. In fact, Barack Obama has gone out of his way to protect police officers in the United States. Most police officers in the United States know that these military-style weapons have no place in a civilized society. But we have to question uh, whether America is a civilized society anymore. Um well, what is also, of course, troubling about last week's events, in my opinion, is the use of video uh, from cell phones, which I understand why these videos are taken, that really only show part of the story. Uh, the Louisiana business was already being investigated by the FBI, and we don't really know all the facts even about that event, though, in my opinion, on the face of it, it seems that excessive force was probably used. But once again, it's it's the proliferation of guns that are at the heart of the problem. Uh, the number of households in America that own guns has declined uh, quite a bit over the last 20 years. But the number of total guns out there uh, is extraordinary. And uh, the suspect in Dallas uh, obviously was, quote, incredibly 
heavily armed. And we have to wonder about why our country would permit this kind of military arming, even by individuals. Uh, and clearly this individual had access to grind. I don't want to speculate about his mental state. Uh, he seems to have uh, gotten an honorable, a less than honorable discharge from the military. He was uh, a private who served in Afghanistan, did a tour of duty there. And uh, we have to uh, certainly question um, why anybody is allowed to amass an arsenal of, the, of that size uh, for any reason whatsoever. And, of course, it's quite well established that the uh, use of guns in America are, in many instances, such as uh, Dallas and mass shootings, um, these, are, these are assault rifles that are only designed to kill people. They serve no function uh, in the role of hunting or target shooting or any of that sort of thing. Last fall, uh, the Harper's Index noted, and this is just from September of 2015, says the number of people fatally shot by British police in the last three years, two. Average number of people shot by U.S. police each day so far in 2015, 26 and of course, we have a raw statistic thrown out there that have been that there have been about 570 fatal police shootings this year. And I, of course, am not going to conclude that the police are always wrong, or that some of these shootings uh, were not justified. Many of them are being investigated, uh, even by the federal government. But when you look at some of the incredible statistics about gun violence in America, it's it, things are shocking. Uh, I want to give a couple of just quick examples. There's a front-page story in the New York Times uh, on the 6th of May. This is before Orlando. This is uh, before Dallas, obviously. And this is a, a paragraph, paragraph that I'll read here. Uh, from an article by Jack Healy, Julie Bosman, Alan Blinder, and Julie Turkovitz. And that last name may be Turkowitz, but I'm going to assume it's Turkovitz. Uh, there are a most maddening gun deaths in America, but last year there were 30 people killed in accidental shootings in which the shooter was five or younger. These are young children killing either themselves or perhaps a sibling or a cousin or other family member. Shocking. Here are some other uh, incredible statistics, courtesy of Nicholas Kristoff, a columnist in the New York Times that's written frequently about gun violence. More Americans die in gun homicides and suicides every six months than have died in the last 25 years in every terrorist attack. And the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan combined. 
think about that one. More Americans have died from guns in the United States since 1968 than in all the battlefields of all the wars in American history. That is modern American gun violence. When will the killing end? I don't know. And what is incredible, we have a mass shooting at an elementary school in Connecticut a couple of years ago. What did Congress do? Nothing. We had a variety of mass shootings last, the last over the last year. I think there have been uh, something like 58. There's one of these every week in the United States. A mass shooting defined by the FBI as a shooting in which four or more people are killed. These have occurred at community colleges. We had church worshipers in the state of South Carolina killed by a white racist. What did Congress do? Nothing. Instead, we had presidential candidates claiming that people should be armed while going to church. And, of course, it's the arming of people that contributed to the chaos in Dallas. We had 30, 40 people that were armed with assault rifles while marching against the police, many of them wearing masks, their identities unknown. If this bozo that committed this killing in Dallas had planned a getaway, he probably would have gotten away in the chaos because the police aren't going to know where this shooting is from. We have a gay nightclub attacked just three weeks ago. The worst mass shooting in American history. Congress won't vote on any of this stuff. And I want to point out that most of the shootings in America are perpetrated by handguns. They continue to be perpetrated by handguns. Not assault rifles. But if we are going to continue to be a country in which we think that terrorists have more due process, which, of course, is one of the arguments we hear from the opponents of even having a vote on this, more due process than a nominee for the Supreme Court. You can see why we have these problems. And, of course, it's the the mixed media messages that are occurring. We have the head of the FBI issuing a report about the Clinton email brouhaha that's been going on for, oh, it's probably the email itself, that scandal has gone on, pseudo-scandal has gone on for about 16 months. Seems to be my recollection that it was, that Hillary Clinton had this private email server. And uh, he issues a report and says, well, she was reckless. Her aides were reckless. There may have been some compromised security. There were some emails that were later classified, quote-unquote, as top secret or whatever. And she, he, he pretty much rebuked Hillary Clinton, admonished her, criticized her, called her reckless, might have even used the word extremely careless, I think was the actual term. 
And what do we have? The next day we have congressmen in the in the U.S. government denouncing the head of the FBI, demanding that he come in and answer more questions. After he had, after the FBI had conducted an investigation, we have a presidential candidate calling the system is rigged. And of course, Donald Trump has been uh, fomenting racist rhetoric for months now, and now he's trying to come out as somebody who's in favor of, quote, law and order. Well, he's created a lot of the disorder with his rhetoric and his, uh, his, his, his appeals to fear and hatred. Um, and, of course, uh, we know that the United States has more gun homicides than the rest of the industrialized world combined, uh, yet nothing is done. And uh, weren't Americans that are a- asking for some reasonable regulation, um, can't even get a vote on this stuff. I don't understand why our system has to be so uh, compassionate to the NRA. I realize it's not even money at the end of the day. It's this sort of mythical power that they have. The vast majority of Americans want to see common sense gun control. That's what all people have said. Um, it's it's troubling uh, what's what's going on. I, I it's beyond troubling. And then of course we have a robot, and we've talked about the militarization of our police forces here and uh, over the last uh, decade, in which the Pentagon, uh, which has a budget of six hundred billion dollars a year, uh, gives away surplus military equipment to some of our police forces. Uh, how well the police forces are trained is, is another story. And, of course, no regular person would question or second-guess, in some cases, the tactics of the police. But I do think that it, we've entered a new, a new era when a robot that's designed to disarm bombs uh, goes in and commits commits a homicide itself. Um, I don't know whether this was done as part of a concept of plausible deniability or whether it was done to fool the suspect, uh, given the fact that he served in the military. He probably th- saw the thing coming and said, oh, that's just a, a, a robot that's here to dis- disarm my alleged <laughs> bombs that he may or may not have had, we'll never know. Um, The police, of course, have issued many statements regarding the suspect's uh, motives and uh, clear uh, derangement. Um, And it's, of course, troubling that when he came back from his service in Afghanistan after this less-than-honorable discharge, he probably uh, led a Oh, lonely, troubled life, like so many. Uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome, this sort of problem. Almost all of the mass shooters in the last two years have been in their 20s. Uh, they've all been loners. 
And the only thing that makes this one unique is that the victims are police and that the suspect is African-American. Most of these uh, mass shooters have been uh, Caucasian. Some have had backgrounds connected to the Middle East, even though they've been American citizens. And when you even hear an expert on terrorism note that uh, the average American is 5,000 times more likely to be killed by a gun in America than by a, quote, terrorist, unquote, you get an idea of the inflated and disproportionate and inaccurate rhetoric that's coming from Mr. Trump, for one. As for the idea that uh, people carrying more guns will prevent gun violence, um, well, where were all the Texans that run around with concealed carry permits? Why didn't they respond to this shooter? Uh, It's it's a fantasy. It isn't going to happen in most instances. And, of course, it's the perception of guns sometimes. You have an unfortunate situation nowadays where cell phones, what are they? They're small, they're black, they're shiny. People carry them in their pockets. Police don't know what you're reaching for sometimes. I can personally attest to the fact that one time, uh, many years ago as a cab driver, I got an order at a gas station over on the west side of Ann Arbor. <clears throat> There'd been some armed robberies off and on back in the, uh, shall we say, post-Reagan war on drugs era in the early 90s. When the crack epidemic was still widespread. Uh, this night ride that I was picking up was going to a, shall we say, less than desirable neighborhood in the city of Ann Arbor where there have been some homicides over the years. And in fact, a cab driver had been murdered out in this area in the 1980s. And uh, this person ordered a night ride from uh, a gas station. I pull up to the gas station. There's nobody there. I'm looking around. Then I see a guy kind of walking quickly across the street. And he's reaching into the front of his pants. Now, I am like most American men. I carry a wallet. It's black. It's usually in my back pocket. Sometimes I put it in my front pocket if I'm sitting on a on a bus or something. A hard seat, for instance, might rearrange my wallet. But even a wallet can look like a gun. And we, and we, when we have a situation where there are 300 million guns in America, when many of these people have multiple guns on them, when you have conceal and carry laws permitted in both Texas and Louisiana, that of course are in the news this week as a result of this tragedy in Dallas, the police don't know who's got guns and who doesn't. There's no uh, open. Guns are concealed all the time, even even when there's a a conceal and carry law that allows you to brandish a gun in the in out in the open. And you know when we hear uh, people saying, "Oh well, I have a right to bring a gun into a school function," 
so that I can assert my Second Amendment rights, as some bozo did here in Ann Arbor a couple of months ago. Uh, and, of course, lawyers had to be hired to deal with this uh, NRA uh, frivolous lawsuit that was uh, <clears throat> invoked to justify a lawsuit regarding the prohibition of guns. I mean, th- th- this country needs to get back to some common sense. And these these crazy arguments that are being brandished on a daily basis by the bootlickers of the NRA, unfortunately, they're running the Congress of the United States and many of our state legislatures in which we've made guns more available, more permissible, and more guns are being bought. Yet we continue to hear arguments that Barack Obama's got a war on cops. He's going to take your guns away. Well, what guns have been taken away? Name one. There haven't been any. The assault rifle law expired in 2005. And how ironic that uh, we have a British report, an official British report about the Iraq war. It came out last week, the Chilcot report. Seven years in the making. That in and of itself is problematic. But I assume it was a thorough investigation. And uh, it's it's quite clear that um, the war was unnecessary. The ultimate verdict being that war <clears throat> was never the last resort, that it was the first resort that Tony Blair had sent a message to George Bush in the summer of 2002, I'm with you, no matter what, whatever, that kind of rhetoric. How interesting in the Chilcut report, we get information, and I'm quoting here from a editorial by... Carney Ross, the executive director of uh, the Independent Diplomat, a nonprofit diplomatic advisory group, was the Iraq expert in the British delegation to the United Nations from 1997 to 2002. Well, alas, the Iraq war started in 2003, and it was started unilaterally by the Bush administration. Not the resolution in Congress that occurred in 2002, that had nothing to do with it. The resolution in 2002 told the Bush administration they had to go through the U.N. Well, this is when Colin Powell shook around a vial of talcum powder or probably baby powder and claimed uh, that this was anthrax and germ weapons and chemical weapons and the weapons of mass destruction and all of the lying rhetoric that was promulgated by the Bush administration, was presented to the U.N., and the vote was no. That was what the vote was. The Iraq war was started by the Bush administration. It was a unilateral war, and Tony Blair went along with it. And, of course, some of the members of the Coalition of the Willing, as it was called by George Bush, who wasn't uh, interviewed, by the way, in the Chilcut report, uh... What's he got to answer for? Has he read it? I don't know. We'll see him tomorrow at a service in Dallas um, talking about the slain tragic events of Dallas in which four policemen have been shot. Well, America's got 
2,800, 4,000 dead as a result of Iraq. Britain's uh, losses were minimal in comparison. But it's interesting, as Carne Ross writes, uh, the dire effects of the 2003 invasion that the Chilcot Report omits to mention, a thug named Abu Musa al-Zakari, a marginal figure in al-Qaeda, was elevated in the jihadist hierarchy when Secretary of State Colin Powell, in his notorious pre-war speech to the U.N. Security Council, falsely named him as a terrorist ally of Saddam Hussein. As a result, Mr. Zarqawi gained status as an American, uh, as America's declared enemy, an authority he exploited to become an extremist leader in the Sunni insurgency in Iraq. Indeed. And then we had Donald Trump last week uh, dealing with the Hillary Clinton Star of David stuff and the anti subtle anti-Semitism that, by the way, turns out to be a direct appeal to white racists. This is the truth about this brouhaha over the Star of David. The Trump campaign, of course, insists that it's a sheriff's badge from the Old West, uh, though the pile of money and the implications and all of the inferences regarding anti-Semitism are quite clear-cut. Despite Donald Trump's uh, protestations, what's he do? He protests that the, quote, retweet was taken down without his permission, that he shouldn't have backed down, that he wanted to defend it. Well, keep defending it, Mr. Trump. But while you're at it, why don't you defend your idiotic comments about Saddam Hussein? He claimed that Saddam Hussein was a bad guy, a very bad guy. But he was good at killing terrorists. Really? <laughs> what, what an incredible uh, rewriting of history by Donald Trump. Saddam Hussein invaded Iran in 1980. He invaded Kuwait in 1991. He was good at invading his neighbors. And, of course, the American government has never investigated any of these actual wars in the Middle East, the allies of the Saudis, the Saudis buying off Saddam Hussein, et cetera, et cetera. Why do that when Hillary Clinton is easy pickings and email scandals are involved? It's incredible. And here's Donald Trump actually making a claim that has no basis in fact. Saddam Hussein didn't kill terrorists. He killed civilians. He killed his own civilians. He killed Shiites. He killed Kurds in his own country. He invaded Iran. I can name all of the reasons that Saddam Hussein was one of the major, major minor war criminals of the 20th century. But that still didn't justify the American invasion of Iraq. Because it's, it, it just simply, as the Chilcot rep report noted, no post-war planning. No concept about what would happen when we break the pottery, to use that phrase. Well, we're out of time down here on uh, Gray Matters. You have been listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Thanks to Andrew for engineering this evening. Yazoo City Calling, coming up next on this fine station. WCB
WCBN Just keep your dial 